Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. We're going to continue in a series of messages of why bad things happen to good people. Um, I've got so much stuff that I can't get done with it, but I want to go back and I want to cover one point that we covered the first week. And the reason I want to do it is because it is so foundational. It is something that we have to get deep down in our spirits. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know just as I am known. There, the, the, the New Testament talks in several places about mysteries. It's telling us we are not going to know everything now. The day is going to come when all of our questions are going to be answered. How many of you have a few? Right? There's going to be that day, but it is not now. It tells us that right now we see dimly. We, look, we are not seeing everything. We don't understand everything. And, of course, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. So with that said, we aren't going to understand everything, but the Bible does give us a lot of insight. So Psalms 8 and verse 4. What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. Um, the Hebrew is actually Elohim. It would be better translated God. But when they were translating it, they just thought, well, that's, that's you know, too much. And so they put angels instead of God. For you've crowned him with glory and honor. And you've given him or made him to have dominion over all the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet. So when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in his likeness and in his image. In fact, when God gives the first genealogy, he says, Adam, the son of God. Right? Now, you're not God, you're never going to be God, but you're the same type of a being. And he put all things under his feet. He gave him dominion over all the works of his hand. The first thing God said, Genesis chapter 1, he makes going to make man. He says, let him have dominion. You were created to have dominion. God puts Adam in even this beautiful garden. He says to him, this garden, he says, you are here to tend, to guard, and to keep. Genesis 2, 15. You know the story. Satan comes, Adam and Eve succumb to the temptation. Literally, they bow their knee to Satan. And when they did, they transferred their authority to the devil. It was like God gave man authority, dominion, put all things under his feet. And I like to think about it like this. What God did was he gave man a lease on the earth. Now, when Satan came and tempted Adam and Eve and they bowed their knee, they subleased to the devil. They, they, what Satan did is he took the authority that God had given to Adam and Eve. You say, where is that in the Bible? Well, Luke chapter 4. The devil takes Jesus and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he says, all this authority I will give to you. Now, if this is not true, there's no temptation. 
But the devil says, all authority I give to you. Now, remember, God originally gave all authority to who he put all things under whose feet? Adam and Eve's feet. But now the devil's running around saying, all the authority and all the glory of all these kingdoms of the world, he said, it has been delivered to me, and I can give it to whomsoever I will. All this authority I will give you in their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomsoever I wish. He's saying, I have the authority or the ability to pass my authority on to you. That is what Adam did. That's what Eve did. When they bowed their knee, Satan came in and took their position. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 calls Satan the God, small g, of this world. Small g. God originally meant for Adam and Eve to be his under rulers. He put all things under their feet. But all of a sudden, we find that the devil has taken that authority. As Job said in Job 19, he says, He stripped me of my glory and he's taken the crown from my head. Romans 5 and verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. Thus, death spread to all men because all sinned. So Adam let Satan sin Death, sickness, disease, war, pestilence, hurricanes, prejudice, rape, incest, hate, divorce, rebellion, jealousy, cancer. Every wicked thing you can think of, it came in because Adam and Eve bowed their knee. They let Satan come in with sin and death. That's, that's why bad things are in this world. And we have to understand that. So many people, well, if there's a loving God, why are there bad things? There's bad things because Adam and Eve bowed their knee to the devil and he is on planet earth, right? Alive and well. Peter said, 1 Peter 5, 8, he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. John 10, then, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Years ago, I heard someone refer to John 10.10 10 as the great divide. He said this divides clearly the things that come from God, the things that are the will of God, and the things that come from the devil. If it steals, kills, and destroys, it didn't come from God. It's not God's will. Jesus said, what's his will? He said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. James 1.16, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. It's interesting, in the New Testament, it tells us several times not to be deceived. And every time it tells us not to be deceived, it is where we are the most deceived. He says, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God does not have bad days. God does not kick the cat. There's no variation with God, ever, ever. And of course, before the devil shows up, man and woman are living in a beautiful garden, have fellowship with God. Then, of course, in Revelation 20, he gets cast into the lake of fire where he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then here's a description. 
God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Before the devil came, beautiful garden, no sin, no sickness, no disease, no death, fellowship with God. Get rid of the devil, we get back to the same place. God comes down, there's no more death, there's no more tears or sorrow or crying or pain. It's all passed away. Right. One of the things that can open the door for bad things to come into our life, it's found in Job chapter 3. Fear opens the door to the devil or for the devil. You know, it's in Hebrews 11 and 6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God or to connect with God. Because he, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So to connect with God, to receive from God, we have to come in faith. But what fear is, fear is like a reverse gear of faith. Right? Job 3. Job said, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. For I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. Fear opens the door for an attack of the enemy. Uh, God, 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 God does not, in fact, when angels show up, God shows up, he says, fear, fear not, fear not. God said to the children of Israel, whenever you go to battle, he said, this is what happens. He says, the priest is to get up and he's to preach a sermon. And this is what he says, everybody who's afraid, go home. Everybody afraid, just get out of here. He said, we don't want your fear. Not only will it affect you, but it'll affect the people that are around you. When Goliath came out and he said, send me a man to fight with me. And if I can kill him, you will be our slaves if he kills me. We will be your slaves. And the Bible says for 40 days, every morning, every night, he came out. And it said that the men of Israel, all of them were full of fear. And because of that fear, they could not do what God wanted done. God wanted that giant dead. But fear paralyzed them. Fear paralyzed them so they wouldn't do God's will. God had already told all the Israelites, my promise is nobody will be able to stand before you. But because of fear, they were paralyzed. And fear can open the door for the enemy to come into our lives. Just like faith brings blessing, fear can bring what the enemy is an open door for the enemy to come into our lives. Job said, The thing that I feared has come upon me. I feared a great fear. And the thing that I feared, came upon me. Right? Then Jesus said this in Mark chapter 4. He's giving the parable of the sower. He says the sower goes and he sows the word. And he talks about it falling on different types of ground. But in verse 17, he says there's people who receive the word with joy, but they have no root in themselves and they endure only for a short time. He says, afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, I really wondered about this verse for a long time. Now, here's what Jesus is saying, that the word of God gets planted in your heart. And what Satan wants is he wants to steal the word. 
When he came in Genesis chapter 3 to, to Adam and Eve, he said, did God say you can't eat of that tree? And she says, yeah, God told us the day we'll eat of that tree, we'll die. And the devil said, you will not die. What's he doing? He's trying to get her to disbelieve what God had said, to act contrary to what God had said to them. And the devil has not changed. The number one thing that he wants from you and he wants from me is he wants the word of God that has been sown into our hearts. So, again, Jesus said, when tribulation, now by the way, tribulation are the problems of this life. All right? You say, what, what, what? The washing machine breaks. Tribulation. Problems in a relationship. Tribulation. Lose your job. Tribulation. Economy takes a downturn. Tribulation. Problems of this life or persecution. Something that happens because you're a believer. And remember, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you live for the Lord, not everybody's going to be happy about it. Right? And there will be persecution. He said, now, what does it come for? He said, it arises for the word's sake. In other words, what Satan is trying to do is he's trying to steal that word out of your heart. So, you hear that God wants your marriage to be a little bit of heaven on earth. How would the devil try to steal that from your heart? How about a little trouble in your marriage? You hear that he heals all your diseases. How would he try to steal that? from your heart the Bible says that tribulation the problems of this life and persecution they arise for the word's sake because the devil is trying to steal the word from our heart now here's here's the good news if you stand on the word there's always victory he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies He'll anoint your head with oil so that your cup overflows. The good news is you hang on to the word and you're going to come through victorious on the other side. But what Satan wants to do is he wants to steal your peace, steal your joy. Steal, he, he wants to, to, to bring havoc into our marriage, into our finances. Right? Another thing that can cause problems cause bad things to happen is sin. Now, how many of you know nobody's perfect? All right. However, Jesus said in John 14, verse 30, and what we're talking about here is persistent, persistent, persistent sin that you, you, you just live with it. You, there's, there's no repentance. There's no fighting it. It's just persistent sin. Jesus said the ruler of the world is coming. Speaking of Satan. And he says, and he has nothing in me. He says, Satan has no inroad into my life. There's no opportunity for him. And remember what Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He is looking for an inroad. He's looking for, for a crack in that armor. But Jesus said, he's coming, but he doesn't have a chance. He said, there, there is nothing in me. There is nothing for him to take. But living in consistent sin can open the door for the enemy. 
2 Timothy 2, 26, that we may escape from the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So Jesus heals a man in John 5, 14. And it says that afterwards Jesus found him in the temple. And he said to him, see, you've been made well. Sin no more. Least a worse thing come upon you. Right? Now, what, what this man had done, we don't know. But it's, it appears that he had opened the door for the devil through some sort of sin, some sort of ungodly activity. Right? Now, the next thing I wanted to mention was ungodly leaders can bring national disaster. Ungodly leaders can bring national disaster. 2 Kings 24 is an example. It said, the Lord sent against him bands of Chaldeans, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites, bands of the children of Ammon, and sent them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servants, the prophets. Surely at the command of the Lord, this came upon Judah to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh according to all that he had done, and also for the innocent blood that he shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. Other translations say, until there was no remedy. They had an ungodly leader doing ungodly things. Um, it affected the nation. And finally, there came a point where, where God, the Bible says there was no remedy. And literally, Judah was taken off into captivity for 70 years as a result. 1 Kings 14, 16 says, And he will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, who sinned and made Israel to sin. Well, they had an ungodly leader. Now, we just talked a moment ago about Judah. Remember, the, 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 the Israel divided two tribes were considered Judah. It was Judah and Benjamin. And then the other ten tribes went away and rebelled against the house of David. Well, first of all, I mentioned what happened to Judah. Now it's talking about Israel, and it's talk about Jeroboam, how he sinned, and he led the entire nation into sin. Then in 1 Kings 16, 19, because of the sins which he had committed in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the way of Jeroboam, and in the sins which he committed to make Israel sin. Now, here's what's happening. The leaders are setting an example setting a precedent, and the people follow the leaders. The people follow the leaders. Uh, I, I know that people say, well, you can't legislate morality. Listen, somebody's morality is always legislated. Think about that. 100% of the time, somebody's morality is being legislated. Uh, the, the, I, I don't know who said it, but, but right now on 131, the speed limit is 70 Somebody decided. Now, you might want it to be 85, but it's not. And you go 85 for very long, there's going to be a blue car following you with a red light on top. It's going to happen. Somebody's morality is always legislated. So what happened in Israel, what happened in Judah, they had leaders that were ungodly. They committed, the th they did the things that they did. It brought judgment on the nation. And they, they set the precedent. They, they set the direction that the nation went. Right? Now, now, I wanted to 
to get to this one before I, before I close today. And that is a refusal to repent. And this is going to take a moment. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture. But uh, I want you to listen carefully to this. This is 1 Corinthians 11. It says, What I received from the Lord I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after the sup, saying, This cup is the covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread, drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, listen, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or have died. For if you would judge yourselves, you would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. So it's saying that a Christian who consistently, consistently, consistently will not judge themselves, will not repent, will not resist sin, just keeps living in sin, living in sin, living in sin, living in sin. The time comes when God judges them. And it says here, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or have died. So I want to give you a, an, an example that we find in the Bible of this in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1. It's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you, and such immorality is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife or his stepmother. You're puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you? For indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, I've already judged, as though I were present, him who has done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan. For the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, so this guy is living in sexual immorality. And Paul says, judge him. He says, turn him over to Satan. That his flesh will be destroyed, but his spirit will be saved. So here's what a lot of people think. A lot of people think, well, if I sin, I'm not saved. But, but this guy's still saved. Right? Because they're going to turn, his, turn him over to Satan that his spirit may be saved. So here's what they're going to do. They're going to pray, and they're going to turn him over to Satan, and God's going to lift his protection. He's going to lift his blessing off that person, and the devil is going to attack. Now, the goal is not for, the, for, for, for this guy to die. The goal is for this guy to repent, right? So what happens? He does repent, and this is in 2 Corinthians. But if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be too severe. This punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man. So that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, least perhaps one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. 
Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. So here's what Paul's saying. We, you turn him over to the devil. He repented. He's come back. Now receive him back again. So the goal was never his destruction. The goal was repentance. All right? And the Bible says we're supposed to judge ourselves. But if we keep going and 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 keep going, the Bible says the day can come when God will judge you. God will judge you. Now, when, when he judges you, the purpose is to bring repentance for you to turn to God. Let, let me just ask you if you know this. I, I think you all know this. How many of you know most people come to God in a time of crisis? It's just a fact. It's just a fact. We realize, man, I'm in trouble. I need God. There's something here that is bigger and badder than me. Well, let me finish with a story. Um, I got saved when I was 20. And uh, um, I got saved at Jeremy's Party Place in Granville. It was a church meeting at Jeremy's Party Place. First time they ever met there, a friend told me there's going to be a church at Jeremy's Party Place. I thought, well, that sounds fun. I went and got saved. All right. uh, a few months later, uh, the worship leader was Doug Bergsma. He's now pastoring up in Rockford. And, and Doug said to me, he said, hey, I'm going to go to Bible college, and you know, I'd like you to, I think you should come with me. Well, you know, the long, long story short, we end up going to Dallas, Texas together. And we're roommates, and we're in Bible college. In fact, we, we were not on campus for 15 minutes, all right, when he spotted Barb. Uh, those of you who know Doug, Doug's about like six foot four, six foot five. And, and, and Barb was this like six foot one or six foot two, long, skinny girl with black hair. And, and I mean, he saw Barb and he went, look at that girl, look at that girl, look at that girl. Who's that girl? I don't know who that girl is. Who's that girl? You know? But before the day's done, he's found out. It's Barb. He came back, her name's Barb. Her name's Barb. You know, she's assistant dean of women. And her's Barb. Oh, she'd be Barb, Barb. You know? Like two days later, he's oh, he says, I'm going to take Barb to McDonald's, you know. And then there were roommates. And, and all I, every day, every day, Barb, Barb, Barb and I, Barb and I are going to go pray. Barb and I are going to take a walk. Barb and I, we're going to go today. Barb, 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 Barb. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> it was just Barb. I'm like, we're here to study the Bible. And he's just Barb, 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 you know. Well, is that, so, so, so he is he is just like smitten, right? And we've got the littlest, dinkiest little room. You know, we've got two little single beds. And, I mean, we've got a table in there about this big. You know, two little chairs and a little ditty stove, little bathroom. So, so there's two of us are in, our, in this room, you know. Well, it's like 2.30 in the morning. And, and, and Doug has a dream, but Doug sleepwalks. So he gets up. Now, if you've ever, you know, all you married people, you know, you, you know, sometimes your spouse gets up in the night, but you know that you are, you do not want to get up. You're just like, I'm going to sleep, you know, I'm just going to sleep. So I knew he was moving, right? But he dreamed I was Barb. <laughs> so he's standing at the foot of my bed and he's like, oh, it's Barb. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be right to do anything, but I could tell her I love her and kiss her. So I, I, I know there's movement, but I'm not waking up. He gets right next to my bed. Barb. 
I love you. And he kisses me on the lips. This was the worst thing. I hit, when I felt his mustache, I woke up. I hit him so hard. You ask him, I knocked him across his bed into the wall. You know? And I'm like, ah! You know, where's the soap? Ah! You know? So, so he's like, ah! You know, he screams, I scream. You know, he's like, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming! You know? Okay. <laughs> You know, a month later, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's engaged, you know, after the first semester. He gets married, they leave, they come back up to Michigan, and they were in the church here for, for a number of years. He, he played guitar here at church, and uh, they, had, they had five kids. Was it six kids? It was five or six kids. I don't know. I said, what, what's the deal with all those kids? He said, well, I said, you like kids? He said, no, I just like Barb. You know, Barb, it's Barb. He says, man, Barb. You know, so, so, so Barb has is, is got their, one of their daughters, and they're, they're going to the, to the vet. And somebody runs a red light, and bam, hits them, killed both of them instantly. Uh, Doug was a good, good friend. I mean, I heard about it. I literally could not talk to tell Jeannie what happened. Got in the car. Went over to their house. And um, I remember just grabbing him. I, I didn't know what to say. You know, I just grabbed him, just hugged him. You know, we, we prayed. We worshiped. And somebody said, why did that happen? Let me just tell you why. I don't have a clue. Listen, if you serve God long enough, things will happen and you'll go, why did that happen? And you know what you're going to say? I don't have a don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. But let me just say something. Never throw away what you know is true because of what you don't understand. Got that? Never throw away what you know is true because of what you don't understand. Today, we see through a glass darkly. But then, we'll see face to face. And I think that it was really interesting, you know, we, we prayed. We worshiped, and I've seen people get mad at God when things like this happen. But what Doug did, he turned to God. He ran to God. Uh, no, I don't remember if it was five years later or what the exact time was, but uh, he got remarried. And I think it's really funny. I think he had his last son when he was 58. <laughs> she was a little younger. I told him, Abraham's blessings are yours. <laughs> children in your old age. <laughs> I think he's going to be 80 when he graduates from high school or something, you know. I'm going to be a hoot. What a hoot. You know. This pastor in a church up in Rockford. I think they have 2,500, 3,000 people there on Sunday morning. Right? Instead of running from God, he ran to God. When things happened in Job's life that he did not understand, when he ran to God, the Bible says God turned the captivity of Job. And gave him twice as much as he ever had before. And the, the interesting thing I think about that, that story is this. He had twice as many camels, twice as many sheep, twice as many donkeys. But listen, he had the exact same number of kids. You say, why? Because you never lose a person. They just change addresses. The people that you and I know that have died, 
they're not gone. They're gone from here, but they're in his presence. They're just as real, just as alive as they have ever, ever been. And, and I just want to say to you and to me, when something happens that you don't understand, don't get mad at God. Run to God because God has the answer. He is our hope. No matter what's going on, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with you. He's with you. And he will anoint your head with oil. And your cup will overflow. Sometimes we feel like that it's the end right now. There's nothing in the future. But it isn't true. It isn't true. Say, so would everybody please bow your head for just a moment. We all know that God, he sits on high. But the Bible says that he watches low. There is no problem, no difficulty, no situation, no addiction, no hurt, no rejection, no sorrow, no pain, no abandonment that you have gone through that he does not feel what's going on in your life. The Bible says that he's touched by the feelings of our infirmities or the things that we go through. If you're going through something, God is touched. He knows what you're going through, the pain, the rejection, the sorrow, the difficulty. He knows what's in front of you. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is forgiveness, there's freedom, and there is help for every need. There's healing for your soul, there's freedom from addiction, there is hope for your future. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you can have it abundantly. If you're here, you're not where you should be with God. You need to come back. You need to get right. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. When I say three, will you please lift your hand? We're going to pray. God's going to meet you right here tonight. When we say amen, you're going to be right with God. The first thing is you lift your hand. You're saying, God, I know I need a Savior. And I'm coming to Jesus to be saved, to be forgiven today. One. When you lift your hand, you're saying, God, I am coming to you today. And I'm going to live for you. I'm just turning my back on my old life. I'm looking to you as the source of my life and my joy. Two. Get ready. If you lift your hand, you're saying, God, today. I'm receiving Jesus in my heart by faith. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin, make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family on my way to heaven. Three, lift it up. Say, pray with me. Pray with me. I'm not right. I see a hand right here and a hand back there. Are there others? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Another hand over here. Somebody else. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Now, would everybody please stand? Now, if you lifted your hand, please look right at me. Would you move to the aisle that's nearest you? Come right down here. God is going to meet us right here. Bring the person that you're with. Bring your purse if you need. Whatever you need. But please, move to that aisle. Come right down here. We're going to pray. God is going to meet you. When we say amen, your past, it will be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. Come on down. God bless you. God bless you. I know there's more. 
Come right down, come right down here. God bless. If you can, if you can just get that courage, come on down. Come right down here, guys. Romans 10, verse 13. It says, whosoever, this is going to work for you tonight, will call on the name of the Lord. Now, we're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. This is God's promise to you. We'll be saved. See, what does that mean? That means you're going to be forgiven. But more than that, he's going to come into your heart. He's going to make you new on the inside. And he's going to be there to see you through every situation in your life. All right? Would you bow your heads? Will you bow your heads with us? Will you take one hand, put it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven? Just repeat this out loud. Make these words your own. Just say, oh, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I receive him today as my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That my past is gone. That I am your child, a part of your family, on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, this is so important that I want to get your name, and I'm going to pray for you every day for the next month. We're going to give you a little literature that's going to help you. We're going to take just a moment of your time, all right? Can you follow our prayer partners? Come on over here. Get right there. All right. Give them a hand as they're going. Would you please, man? God bless you. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.